Welcome to Warm Fuzzies, a new podcast from Daily Paws. I'm your host, Carmen Hotchkiss. We'll be sharing heartwarming stories that highlight the lives of some very special furry friends. You'll hear tales of unlikely partnerships, miracle rescues, hero pets, and more. Today, I'm chatting with theater professor Dominic Scudera. Dominic teaches at Ursinus College in Collegeville, Pennsylvania, just outside Philadelphia. But when he's not leading classes or directing plays, you can almost always find Dominic with his trio of two-legged therapy dogs. Yep, each one has only two legs, but no need to feel sorry for them. These are exceptional dogs, as you will find out. And besides being adorable, they exude such positive energy that their Instagram page, at Dogs has amassed more than 100,000 followers from around the world. More locally, Dominic brings them to area hospitals where they offer people with serious conditions much needed inspiration and unconditional love. How they found their way to their adoring dog dad, Dominic, is an incredible tale. Just listen. Welcome to Warm Fuzzies. Dominic Scudera, it's so lovely to have you with us today. Thank you for having me on. I'm very happy to be talking with you. Well, let's start with an introduction of yourself and then tell us about your two-legged partners. Yes, thank you. Um, So I teach at Ursinus College in Pennsylvania. I am a theater professor, but a lot of my free time is devoted to pet therapy. And three of my dogs are therapy dogs, and they are each very unique. One has front legs, one has back legs, and one has right legs. And I take them to visit people in hospitals so that hopefully they can inspire those that are going through troubling times themselves. What a great collection of therapy partners you have. Tell us about each of them. What's their story? How did they come to you? And what do we know about their lives before they got to you? They all have interesting stories. So I'll start with the oldest, who is Cyrus. He is the smallest of the group. He is about 12 years old now. He's originally from California. He was born with only back legs, no front legs. And I don't know much about his first year, but when he was about a year old, whoever had him brought him to an animal shelter and just literally left him on the counter and walked out. So we don't know, you know, what happened there, but at least whoever it was thought maybe this dog could have a life beyond what I could give him. Um, And at the time that he was brought to that shelter, I was looking for another dog that might be able to take on the therapy dog routine that I had established with another dog of mine, the three-legged dog named Festus. And I had trained him to be a therapy dog, and I found that he was helping people in so many ways when I brought him to visit an amputee clinic that we go to once a week. So as Festus was getting older, I was looking for another dog, and uh, Cyrus I saw on a website for dogs with disabilities, And I sent a notice saying, I'm interested. And they said, if you can come and get him, you can have him. So I flew to California. I brought him back home and he turned out to be the perfect therapy dog because he's so sweet 
and good-natured, and he is small, and you can hug him, and he's been a favorite. He was very much a favorite at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. The kids really loved him. Now, since then, I've become known as someone that adopts animals that are <laughs> differently abled, especially less limbed animals. People started to reach out to me um, whenever a two-legged dog might be needing someone to adopt them. And there was another dog. This is Lucky, my second dog, um, who is originally from Egypt. And he was found uh, on the streets outside of Cairo. Lucky must have been hit by a car, we think. He was also about a year old. When he was found, the woman that found him, her name was Marwa. She fought for him to just get medical care. And then she sent him to the United States for a better life. And when he was coming to the United States, um, I, that's when I caught up with his story. I thought he was amazing. You know, this dog running around on front legs only. Uh, and I inquired about him. And within two weeks, he was on my doorstep. <laughs> so Lucky has since gotten wheels. He does use wheels to walk. He doesn't need them necessarily. He can run around and balance on his front legs. Lucky is very able. You know, he's able to run around. He's very vocal. He's really goofy and funny. And he is just full of life, just a fun, fun dog. Are Cyrus and Lucky, do they connect in therapy situations with different kinds of people? Well, it's interesting. So when they are in a hospital... I'm not privy to what the injury or the reason why someone might be in the hospital, but I can sense from the dog that they understand um, a certain level of need. So I've gone into rooms where it instantly was apparent to me that this was someone that might be at the very end of their life, just from the way the dog acted. Um, the dog seemed to sense where they should be in relation to the person physically. Mm. Because sometimes people aren't able to reach to their right or to their left or, you know, we meet a lot of stroke patients maybe that are accessing different parts of them physically. And the dog seems to understand that before I have to be taught that. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> That's really amazing. So, yes, I think that the dogs have a certain sense uh, about people that, that I do not. And I just take my cues off of them very often. Well, so we need dog number three here. Yes. So dog number three is Deuce. And Deuce is originally from Kentucky. And he was found in a ditch and had broken and infected left legs. And those legs needed to be amputated. And um, at the time, the, the rescue, they didn't know how he would fare as a dog with legs only on one side. That's very unusual. So it's not as unusual to have a dog with only back legs or only front legs. Dogs with legs only on one side, there's not that many of them really in the world. And so, you know, how would he fare? And it ended up, he's the most amazing dog. I mean, he can run around just as fast as any other dog. When I take him for walks, people have absolutely no idea if they look quickly that he's any different because he's very solid. He's pulling me along. He's got a very even gait. You know, he's not lopsided or anything. It's unbelievable how 
um, solid and able that dog is. He doesn't need wheels. I mentioned that Lucky got wheels. Cyrus, we got him a set of wheels. Deuce does not need them. Um, he is fully capable. I mean, he can run up and down the stairs. It's it's pretty remarkable. Probably does better than I do with my two legs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, people are always amazed. They, often they think, oh, your dog is missing a leg. And I'll say, no, no, he's missing two legs. And they're looking at the dog and they can't believe it. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. If you were going to guess what breed each of these dogs is, just to help us kind of picture it, how would you describe each of them? Cyrus is a little terrier. I don't know what kind of terrier, but he's scruffy and he has a very terrier looking face. You know, he's maybe 15 pounds. Uh, Lucky is what they call in Egypt a baladi dog or baladi. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's Arabic and they look like he does. He's white with brown patches, very big ears that are straight up. Um, you know, dogs that you would see in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs. He has that kind of face, the long face and the big ears that stand straight up. Um, and then he's kind of lanky, uh, long legs, but about 30 pounds. Deuce is also about 30 pounds. When I adopted him, um, they told me he was a Kentucky brown dog, which is not a breed. It means he's from Kentucky and he's brown and he's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, he's more of a mutt in the traditional American sense. He's a dog's dog. <laughs> yes. We're taking a quick break, but when we come back, we'll find out from Dominic what it takes to train a therapy dog and how adopting a differently abled dog is not that different from caring for one that's not. Be right back. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to Daily Pause Presents Warm Fuzzies. I'm Carmen Hotchkiss, and today I'm talking with Professor Dominic Scudera about his terrific trio of two-legged therapy dogs, Cyrus, Lucky, and Deuce. What is involved in helping them learn to be therapy dogs? I think it sounds like they each naturally have a, a way of connecting with people that's really special. And then you take it from there in terms of, of training. What's that look like? So I think that a dog who uh, you would like to be a therapy dog has to have a certain disposition to begin with. So they have to be sweet-natured and ready to um, take command. They will listen to you. Accept cues and... Yeah. Yes, exactly. They're, you know, So basic training is the start. You've got to teach the dog sit, stay, all of that sort of thing. 
If you go online, you can find registries that are helping to get dogs into this kind of work. And they will offer classes that you can bring your dog to that will start to get the dog acclimated to what they might be uh, experiencing if they were in a hospital. Mm -hmm. So the training then is taking their skills that they've learned already, sit, stay, and that kind of thing, but then saying, like, what will that be like around wheelchairs or around a lot of noise or machinery? Weird smells. Yeah, exactly. Hustle and bustle. Um, are they still controllable in that situation? Um, if there's food, you know, say when I go visit patients, they might be having lunch. The dog can't just jump up and eat the person's food, right? So you have to give the dog some kind of experience of what is it going to be like in the hospital? And will you be listening to your handler in that situation? Um, after you go through that training, there's a test. And so you have to be really... Um, you know, dedicated, work hard with the dog. Do you take the dogs together when you go to do therapy work, one at a time? So I take the dogs one at a time when we go for a therapy visit. When they are certified to be therapy dogs, we are actually certified as a team. Hmm. So it's me and the dog. The dog cannot go to a hospital unless I'm with the dog. And if I am with two dogs, it's really two teams simultaneously. And I haven't really been certified to do that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, can you tell us about one maybe particular story where one of the dogs connected with somebody in a therapy situation in a way that seemed particularly unusual or profound? One that comes directly to mind is a few years ago, I actually don't remember which dog it was. I think it might have been Lucky. He was visiting someone who had recently lost both of his legs in a terrible accident. I actually think it was a train accident. And as I imagine any of us might react, it was a very, very difficult time for it was a young man, you know, maybe in his 20s. And, you know, he was having a very tough time. And when I brought the dog in, he just instantly realized that the dog had gone through something similar, and he just brought the dog to his chest and held him at length for quite some time. And a lot of the medical staff just stopped what they were doing. Everybody came around because they were so thrilled that this young man was finding some kind of comfort or peace or connection that I think they were having trouble getting through to him. And somehow the dog was able to do it without words, and everyone knew it. That's a beautiful story. I assume that once you have served someone in a therapy situation, you may or may not ever see them again. Uh, is that hard? Not really. I'm aware that the situation that we're in is temporary, that I'm only kind of connecting with this person in a moment in their life when it might be the lowest point in their life. And knowing that I'm able to bring something to them that might make them 
feel just a little bit better in that moment to me is enough. So that's sort of part of the deal when you are volunteering in any capacity at a hospital, that you're there to help them through this moment. And knowing that I'm helping someone in a brief way is is reward enough. That's really cool. What else would you like people to know about having a therapy dog, being a partner with the dog and doing that kind of work? I often say that it's a win-win-win situation. So the dog loves going on visits, right? So the dog is having a great time being the center of attention. The patient is gaining something from it because they are um, in that moment feeling hopefully just a little lift, a little light. Um, And then the last win is for me, you know, and what I really like is that I'm just the guy with the dog. No one knows who I am. They don't know my name. They don't know what I do. They don't know all the things that go on in my life. I'm just the guy with the dog. And in those situations, it makes me feel terrific that I was able to help somebody. So um, it's a win, win, win. That's really cool. In your own home, where you're not just the guy with the dog, but you're your dad, your everything. What have you needed to do to have animals that are differently abled, that have some special needs? I assume you've maybe made some adjustments to your household in different ways. Uh, what, What does that look like? I honestly believe that having a dog with disabilities is not very different from having any pet. Dogs that are disabled are much harder to place, certainly. Um, When they are up for adoption, people will pass over them. I try to tell people that often that is probably the more, more rewarding experience if you adopt the disabled dog because... First of all, they will appreciate on some level (laughs) um, what you've done for them. But also having that dog will connect you to so many different people. So, you know, even if I wasn't doing therapy dog work, the fact that I just walk the dogs around on the street and people will stop me and talk to me and, you know, that wouldn't happen if I didn't have the dogs. I feel like um, I feel that that my life is enriched by having these dogs. And I I encourage people to not look past a dog with disabilities. Yes, in our household, we've made some adjustments, but you do for any dog, really, right? For instance, like Lucky, Lucky can't go up and down stairs. So I just got a little ramp so that when he wants to go out, he can go down the ramp, a little wheelchair ramp. Um, that's all. We got him a set of wheels that he mostly uses when he's out, not in the house, because he can walk without them. But um, for longer walks, we got him wheels. You can go online and order some wheels. It's you know, it's not that hard. <laughs> Putting him in the wheels doesn't take that much effort. So you know, it it's not that different. Um, now it depends on the dog. So you know. I would say Cyrus is easier than most dogs because I literally just lift him up and put him outside and he poops and he pees and then I pick him up and I bring him back inside. He's never in the wrong place. He's, you know, because he can't really get around that easily. Um, He's the less mobile of the three. So he's actually, you know, just a simple, easy dog to take care of. Lucky is the, the hardest to take care of because his injuries were more severe. Lucky, uh, has no feeling on his back end. So that does mean that I have to help him go to the bathroom. 
And I know people wonder about this. That was the thing I really didn't want to do was like have to help a dog to pee or an ex express a bladder. Um, and yet here is this dog on my doorstep. I had to figure out how to express his bladder. I figured it out. It was really easy. I do it like, I don't know, 10 times a day for the last 10 years. It's, yeah, I don't even think about it anymore. It's just part of my routine. It's not that big a deal. As pet owners, we we deal with a lot of bodily functions. And this is, sounds yes. like just a step a little farther, but not that much different. Exactly. It's just not that much farther. You know, many of my friends might have pets that have other issues. You know, they they bark too much or they scratch and they do this and they do that. And you make adjustments because that particular dog that you have has this need that you need to address. It's the same with my dogs. What else would you like people to know about having dogs with different abilities? Because they are harder to place, don't overlook them. You know, there's so many animals that need homes and um, there's stray dogs everywhere and people want to find the perfect pet. But when they go to do that, they think that the pet has to be a certain look or has to have a certain ability. And I just think that is negating so much that could be brought into your life when you reject an animal who is different. You make it look doable. It is doable. It's totally doable. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not that different than anybody else who has a dog. Ultimately, I am hopeful that my story with my dogs might, on some level, make some people uh, more open to the idea of adopting a pet that is disabled or different in some way. Obviously, your dogs, um, they have a lot of heart and they connect with people really well. And that's what makes them good at their jobs, makes them good therapy partners with you. And, um, and, and probably people connect with that, as you said, like just when you're on the street, uh, that they're, they're good ambassadors for just being great dogs. I hope so. You know, I, I, I love to take them for walks. Uh, as I said, I'm a college professor and I live right by the campus. So we walk the dogs uh, on campus every day and the students flock over. And, you know, they, it's, it's very nice to be able to connect with people um, when you're out and about. And even, as I said, the, the social media presence that my dogs have had, have I've been told from people that have written to me, um, you know, someone from the other side of the world could see my dogs and say, wow, you know, that really inspired me today. And it's so, you know, it's so nice to know that um, that my dogs are able to do that for people. Well, thank you for making it possible for them to do that with people. Oh, I, I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. If anybody has ever thought like my dog really seems to respond to people and my dog would make a good therapy dog. My suggestion is, you know, look to your local hospitals and find out if they have a therapy dog program. It's not that hard. Awesome. Thank you for being with us today, Dominic. You and your pets are wonderful examples of joy and resiliency. And couldn't we all use more of that every day? Thank you. Thanks for letting me 
talk on and on about my dog, something I love to do. <laughs> I appreciate the invitation to share their story with you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Daily Pause Presents Warm Fuzzies. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And we'd love your feedback. If you can rate this podcast and leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. You can also find us online at dailypause.com slash warmfuzziespodcast. We hope you'll join us again next Thursday for more.